If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ah, motherhood. One minute, your mom of the year. I love you, mommy. Then the next? <laughs> mm, not so much. From bath time to bullying, from potty training to puberty, parenting is full of challenges. But one thing is for certain, you are not alone. Welcome to Modern Mom Probs. I'm your host, author, mother, parenting expert, Tara Clark. Join me while we tackle today's modern mom problems. Welcome back to another episode of Modern Mom Probs. I am your host, Tara Clark. Today, I am joined by one of my favorite parenting coaches out there, Anna Skates. Anna, you are a parent mindset shifter, creator of Otterly, and my favorite thing, a Mr. Rogers wannabe. Tell us, how did you get to where you are today? Well, hi. First of all, thanks for having me. I, how did I get here? I have a really interesting sort of smorgasbord of, of, of things that got me here, but I've worked with kids most of my life. The way I got to parent coaching specifically is through working with kids. So I have been a nanny. I have taught classes at an after school center, a community center. I was a children's librarian, which I loved. I was a children's pastor at a church here in Tennessee for a while. And then sort of, I saw the Mr. Rogers documentary and knew that that's kind of what I wanted to do with my life. And as I was trying to build this kid platform, realized, you know, I really need to do some work to speak to parents and build a community of parents who have the kids to even watch the things that I want to create for kids. And so I kind of got into parent coaching for that way. That makes sense. But kids are my people. That's, that's ultimately my heart. And that's what I love so much about you and your message. You are very prolific on Instagram, making reels, making videos, obviously geared toward parents and to change their perspective on different things like whether it's discipline or triggers or so many different things. And today we're going to be talking about how to help our children master transitions. And it's a really important topic because transitions are hard for children. Let's be honest. Transitions are hard for everybody. But why are transitions particularly hard for kids? Well, I think often what we end up doing is most of the transitions, it seems that are really difficult are going into like care task kind of things, brushing your teeth, getting ready for bed, coming to the table for dinner, you know, all those things. And often the thing that they are transitioning out of is play. 
Mm. And so I think for multiple reasons, transitions are difficult. I think one is that we're pulling them away from something fun, obviously. So Mm -hmm. who wants to do that? (laughs) Right. Sure. I don't want to do that either. I don't (laughs) want to either. So we're pulling them away from something fun. That's really engaging. I think we're also pulling them away from something that whether they're aware of it or not is actually helping to regulate their nervous system. So they're feeling like calm and at peace doing the things they're doing. I think we're also pulling them out of flow state often. So they may be just like in it, you know, and not like where you lose track of time, that feeling like I think often they're getting pulled away from that. And that's hard. We're pulling them away from critical learning time and problem solving time. Like they're mastering a new skill or doing a skill that they have already mastered, which feels really good to do a thing that you're good at. And then we're pulling them away to do a thing that they're still like kind of figuring out and don't really love to do. So haven't mastered. So it's, there are a million little reasons why it may be difficult for children to make transitions like that. But I do think that once we start seeing it for what it is, it makes it a little more at least understandable and gives us uh, some space for empathy maybe for them in that. Yeah, that makes so much sense because I've never really considered about like the flow state. So sometimes let's say they're sitting on the floor and they're playing with blocks or they're playing with cards and you're saying, okay, now we have to brush our teeth and go to school or now we have to put on our socks and and leave the house. So what you're saying is like they're so deep in thought and they're so deep in their own creativity that it's sort of hard to just press pause on that creativity to then now go do a task that maybe they don't feel very confident in. Yeah, totally. Or if at the very least, if they don't feel confident in it, it's still a task that somebody else is telling them to do. Like, once again, you know, nobody, nobody likes to feel controlled or ordered around. I don't. And so, you know, to break flow state, not only for something that you haven't mastered, but for something that somebody else is wanting you to do that you don't want to do. And they're telling you you have to do it right now, which often we could probably pull back on a little bit, but you know, most things are not an emergency. So some things can wait and that's okay. But yeah, I think it's that flow state thing, I think is really important because even thinking about like, with that example, if they're sitting on the floor playing with cars, like they most likely have an entire world built in their head. And that's where they are. Like, there are streets on the carpet, there are roads there, and they are. There's a stoplight, and this car is about to crash into this car. I mean, there's a whole narrative and a whole world being built there that we're just completely oblivious to. Which, of course, we would be. We're not inside their head, but to recognize that they're they're in a different world. They're building worlds in play, which is really pretty incredible. And to have have a little bit of sensitivity and empathy around pulling them away from that, and yeah. Yeah, I I think even like now going forward, like after our conversation today, I'm going to think about asking my son to complete these tasks like in a more thoughtful way. Does that make sense? Like I will then really be more thoughtful in my requests for him. I know his biggest gripe and one of his triggers is that he hates to be rushed. He hates to be saying like, Okay, put on your shoes. Let's go. We got to go to we're late for school. Even if we're not late for school, not even being late for school, even we're perfectly normal on time. He does not like to be rushed. So let's talk about that a little bit. Like how can we as parents not only like shift our mindset around transitions, but also not rush our children? 
Yeah. So the mindset thing, I think we've talked about that. Just the whole, just seeing it for what it is, I think is, is a really helpful mindset shifter as far as not rushing. So we've got a, a nine-year-old here, my partner's son, and he is the same way. Hates being rushed. Like he'll do it, but it's, it's not a pleasant experience for anyone. Let's be honest. Like I don't like having to rush him. Like it's not fun and I don't like to be rushed. So because I'm the grown up and I essentially control the schedule, I can say, okay, I'm going to give him 15 extra minutes, meaning I'm going to start this process 15 minutes earlier because I'm a grown up and I can manage my time like that. I'm totally capable of doing that. So I take my skills that I have as a grown up and I apply them to the situation to help it to be easier for everyone. I think it's easy to get into the mindset of like, well, they're just going to have to deal with it. Like, I don't have time to figure out a different schedule and do all And it's like, well, hold on, take a breath, take the great pause, take the great pause and stop for just a minute and think about what you just said and consider whether or not that's true. Like, can you make some extra space? Can you start this process? 10 minutes earlier, five minutes earlier, whatever it needs to be. Yeah, probably so. And it's going to feel so much gentler on your own nervous system and your own self because you're not screaming from the other room and wrestling them down to try to get their shoes on. Like none of that has to happen usually. And so I think just practically speaking, just give, just building extra time in and starting the routine a little bit earlier and seeing how that, how that works. Yeah. So you have a nine-year-old in your life. I have a nine-year-old son in my life. And so those ages or that age, they're right on the precipice of being like, you know, pretty grown-up children, like pretty independent children. How can we as caregivers instill that independence where we're not having to nag them to do those things? Well, I think, I think what we were just saying is such a good tool toward that. Like, I think if we're able to build in time so that they can be independent, because again, they've only been here for nine summers. And so there's, and for a lot of the summers that they have been here, we put their shoes on for them and we brushed their teeth for them. Like, so they haven't honestly had as much practice as we like to think that they've had in doing some of these things. Or they're just kind of, they're just getting used to that transition out of being fully dependent on you. They're still kind of like finding their way through that and finding their comfort in that. That may feel like a little bit uneasy for them, I think. But when we build in some extra time for them to make these transitions on their own without us having to, like you said, nag them through it and rush them through it. They're able to practice mastering those skills in a situation and in a context that's not stressful, that's not rushed, right? They get to experience their own learning process in their own time and master these skills and become confident in their ability to do that. And just like we were talking about with play, when they've mastered a skill, when you, when you get really good at a thing, you tend to want to do that thing a lot because you're really good at it and it feels good to be good at something. So I think just giving them the opportunity to make those transitions on their own, which just means everything with kids takes more time. So just give them a little bit more time. I think that could be a huge step toward that independent living. (laughs) 
This podcast is brought to you by Citizens of Sound, a podcast production agency committed to developing and launching shows with gravity and depth. From conception to launch, Citizens will partner with you every step of the way, whether you're an actor, business owner, doctor, fitness coach, influencer, or simply a hobbyist. Citizens offers everything from conception to branding, editing to mixing, and publishing to management. Jump on board with Citizens of Sound and start your own podcast today. Go to citizensofsound.com and follow them on Instagram. Right, right, right. What are some practical tools that we can use to ease transitions and make them smoother for everyone? Yes. Okay. So practically speaking, the time thing is good. I think one thing that was helpful for us for a while were visual timers, especially when, you know, the youngest, especially was too young to like read a clock necessarily or like really have a concept of like what was what as far as time goes. Visual timers are amazing. I used like I downloaded like a free app on the iPad that had a visual timer and you could change the color of it and all kinds of stuff, which is cool. And it just counts down. It's basically literally a, a, a little visual clock and it's got a colored wedge for the amount of time that they have for a certain task. And it, the wedge just gets smaller and smaller as the time is running out and they can visually see it, which is great. The, there are ones you can buy on Amazon for like, you know, 16 bucks or whatever. They're super cute. So visual timers are really helpful. Giving lots and lots of warning and countdowns are really helpful. So I know, again, for the nine-year-old, because he doesn't like to be rushed and because I know he gets in flow state really easily, I would say like, hey, so at this point now at nine o'clock or at nine years old, I can say, okay, so at four o'clock, we need to be kind of wrapping this up, okay, because we need to start getting ready for this, knowing that I'm giving him an extra 30 minutes or whatever it is, you know. So at four o'clock, we need to be done. And then at 4.30, I might say, hey, just checking in 30 more minutes. And I'll say, okay. And then I'll check in again. Hey, just checking in 15 more minutes. And then I'll check in at closer increments toward the end. And that has been super helpful. Just because, they, again, they get into flow state. They have no concept of what the time is in that moment. And so just helping them just kind of be a little ping here and there can be super, super helpful. Another practical thing I love to do is to play through transitions, especially considering they're often coming out of play. So, okay, how do we make the transition itself really playful? Can we skip to the next room? Can we get on the ground and roll to the next room to get our teeth brushed? Can we brush our teeth with our arm around our head? You know, I mean, what can we do to make that thing that is not terribly fun, a little more fun? And what's the harm in that? Like, we all want to have a little bit more fun. I've used this example before, or I've told this story before on other podcasts and stuff, but so with the nine-year-old for a while, especially around his parents' divorce, like a lot of things were really difficult and transitions were one of them. I mean, he just, it was really tough for a while to, to like get any sort of routine going and help him to feel confident in that. So one thing I I randomly decided to do this one night and I don't know what prompted it, but he was having trouble kind of getting from like dinner to like from dinner to play to then brushing teeth and getting ready for bed. Right. And so he really resisted brushing teeth in general. And so I, one night he loves physical touch. And so I like stood behind him. He had stood up, but he like wasn't moving. So I came up and I wrapped my arms around him from behind. And I said, 
in a like a really weird like British accent kind of voice, I said, we are going to ever so gently make our way to the bathroom. And so I like started like, I started like lifting his feet with my feet. And, and then sometimes I would like put on the brakes. And so I would like jerk us forward a little bit and I'd say, Oh, the brakes went out and they're fixed. Okay. So now we're making our way. And I would just like narrate the whole thing all the way to the bathroom. And did it get annoying? Yes. Did I not want to do it a lot of nights? Yes. <laughs> and he's still ever, ever, every once in a while, he will still ask me to do ever so gently if he's just like having trouble making the switch in his head. Now he wants to do the brakes a lot more often. So it's like not very gentle anymore. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it was, it was just a fun way to kind of, it was connection. It was physical touch, which was helpful for his nervous system. And it was just something like completely ridiculous and silly that got the routine going. And, and it was just a sweet, sweet moment. I'll have to send you, I'll send you a picture of somebody captured it one time. And I'll send you a picture of what I mean. It was, it was really sweet. So things like that, just making it playful or giving them choices of how to get from one thing to the next, you know, choices are always really helpful, especially given that the thing they're having to do was not their choice. <laughs> so how can you give them choice in that in in the transition to get that thing done? Yeah, those are those are some of my favorites. I love those. I think I'm going to try the ever so slightly tonight because I'm just curious yeah. to see. I'll report back to you tomorrow Please if he do. falls for it. I feel like he would because these two nine-year-olds sound very similar. And uh, yes, I think that they would be two peas in a pod. And so I'm going to try it and report back to you. So let's talk about kids that are a little bit younger, right? Toddlers. Yes. So how do you deal with transitions for younger children who may have really big feelings during mm. their transitions? Well, I would say you may not be able to get away from big feelings for a while. So just settle in and just start to become okay with the big feelings. I think often we're in these conversations, it's it's around like, how do we avoid the big feelings? I'm like, oh, I don't think that's the right question. <laughs> I think, I don't know that that's a realistic expectation. So let's right. make it realistic. So they may have big feelings. Okay. So some of the ways that maybe you could help to prepare them for transitions could be just in everyday life, practicing letting them know what's happening or what's coming. Just all, just always sort of narrating the day a little bit for them. Because again, they're especially really, really young children. I mean, they're kind of getting dragged around everywhere, right? Like they're getting tossed in the car and taken to the grocery store or taken to Target or like that is their life. Which again, I can't imagine is terribly pleasant a lot of a lot of the time, you know. So I wouldn't enjoy that. So I would just want to know. I like to know in general. Like I want to know the plan. That's my personality. But I think for a lot of kids, that could be really helpful to let them know. Like, hey, I know that you're not getting a, an option really here, so I'm at least going to let you know what's coming, so that you can prepare yourself. Because it gives them when they know what's coming. Again, there's an opportunity for them to master in that moment, like how they're going to feel about it. And if you give them enough warning, you may get to get the big feelings like in the car on the way there. And then by the time they get there, they may have worked through that. And y'all could talk about, you know, deciding to feel a different way about it. Like, it's okay to feel upset about this. I get that this isn't what you wanted to do. How do you want to feel? You want to feel happy? Hmm, how can we feel happy about this? 
what are some ways we could feel happy about this? Or, you know, sometimes when I'm feeling sad about a thing, I like to play my favorite song. What's your favorite song? And play it for him in the car and have a dance party and keep talking about where you're headed, but also have a little bit of fun along the way. I, I think, again, in, in these everyday moments, before it becomes a big blow up, practice giving them a heads up. Practice helping them to see transitions before they come and help them to practice preparing for that, preparing their emotional state, preparing their physical state for that. I think that's just a good sort of daily practice to have. Again, I think that in in lieu of that, if you haven't started that yet and you're you're up on a big moment that is that becomes a big emotional thing, a transition that becomes a big emotional moment. Or let's say you know something's coming up that is always a fight or always a struggle. Go ahead and plan for 10 extra minutes, 15 extra minutes. Just go ahead right now and say, you know what? We've got to go to Target later, but getting in the car is always a struggle. I'm going to prepare myself to know that getting to Target is not an emergency. So I'd like to get there at this time. So I'm going to plan out an extra 15 minutes to get us in the car and going and giving choices again is always really really helpful what shoes do you want to wear to target what which shirt this one or this one and you can decide the choices build the parameters in but let them choose that's always really helpful but also honestly i think just prepare just prepare yourself i I think so much of this too is us preparing ourselves as the grown-ups like knowing that this may be difficult for them I'm asking them to do something that they may not want to do today and they don't really have a choice. That sucks. So (laughs) maybe just even in your own self, like getting to a place of peace with the big feelings about it and saying, I can allow for this. This is okay. This is not an emergency. I can make space for this. I can be their support. It's totally okay for them to feel however they're going to feel about this. And I can maybe put some of these practical tools in place to help them avoid that really, really, really big rush of feelings, which is, which feels a little chaotic and out of control, which isn't fun. So yeah, I think a lot of it is is us preparing our own self, isn't it? Like (laughs) finding that peace in our own self with their big feelings. Yeah. The the more I dive into parenting psychology and the deeper I get in this world altogether, the more I find that it really has to do with us and our triggers and we as caregivers preparing ourselves for these things. It is not as much about the children as it is about our managing our own expectations and regulation. Totally. Yep. Which is something we didn't get as kids a lot of us. And so we're, we're learning just now as adults. And so it's, we're kind of learning alongside our kids in a lot of ways, which is cool. And which actually is kind of beautiful. Like if you found things that worked for you when you're feeling a little like emotionally overwhelmed or stressed, like maybe share that with your kid and, and find a practice that you can do together when things are feeling really chaotic and overwhelming. Like we're all the, the Ram Dass quote, we're all just walking each other home is so profoundly applicable to parenting, isn't it? Like, we're all just learning alongside each other. Like, you are a human being, your child is a human being, like, we're all just figuring this thing out. Do you know what I mean? Like, I've never parented a 14 year old until this year. You know, I've never parented, well, for me, I'd never parented a nine year old until this year. Like, all of this is new every year with every season of their life and our life. We're just 
we're all just walking each other home. And so to find things that we can even do together to help get us through those moments, I think is really beautiful. And that's a gift. It is so beautiful. I love that quote. I think too, especially with older children, the more vulnerable we are with them, the more we connect. So if I can yeah. say to my son, you know, I had a hard day, X, Y, and Z happened. Not that you're dumping on them, but I'm, that, that you're explaining certain things that may have taken place. And he goes, you know, yeah, mom, you know, I understand because I had a day where my friend was mean to me or whatever happens yes. to me. But I, I think that like, as you said about like narrating the day or just really talking through things, I think it opens up your relationship with your children in such a beautiful way. Totally. This episode is brought to you by Modern Mom Style Box. Upgrade your wardrobe and enjoy unlimited styles for just $60 a month. Modern Mom Style Box is the first rental clothing subscription designed exclusively for moms and moms-to-be. Get started today with a free trial. Use promo code PTO. So, Anna, you are, in my mind, the new Mr. Rogers. Uh, except you're not Mr., but <laughs> you are... The new Ms. Skates is really what I should what I should call it. I love your videos. I think that they resonate with me so much, and I know they resonate with your audience. You have, in addition to all the beautiful messaging that you have in your videos, you wear the most amazing red lipstick, and that Thank <laughs> is you. sort of like your signature look. Can you tell me, like, how did you get started with this red lipstick, and what oh what brand gosh. is it? Oh, Lord. Okay. So how did I get started with red lipstick? What started that? I have no idea, honestly, because I didn't growing up in high school when I started wearing makeup, I didn't do a lot of lipstick. So I guess this would have been like, actually, you know what? I think it was because a friend of mine was selling Lip Sense, which is one brand that I wear. And it's the kind that like does not like you could rub your hand all over your mouth and there's nothing there kind of thing. And I had bought this red color that I loved so much. And I was like, oh, and I, I started like so many people would say something about it. And I was like, I should just do this. This should just be part of my vibe. It's just like a bold lip. So, I mean, I, at this point, I probably have 17 to 20 shades of red alone in my, I have a huge cosmetic bag that's just lipsticks. So to answer the question of what brand is it is difficult to answer, but reds like orangey reds are like my favorite kind of thing. It's just, it's so much fun. It's It's been a way to be really playful with how I present myself because clothing wise, like I tend to wear a lot of like neutrals or black and white and gray and beige kind of stuff. So I don't necessarily have a whole lot of color in my wardrobe. So this is the way that I that I express myself through color that and like really big fun earrings. <laughs> you can't see it right now, everyone, but she is absolutely stunning. Her bold lip, her earrings, her, her ink. She is absolutely stunning. So tell me about Otterly. What's the mission behind it? Tell us more about how we can learn about it. Yeah. So Otterly started. So Otterly is my company that is primarily creates content for kids specifically. So it honest, it started out of seeing the documentary about Mr. Rogers like four years ago, whenever that was. Won't You Be My Neighbor is the name of the documentary. If you haven't seen it, 
please go watch. If you want to understand my heart and who I am, you can watch that and then you'll just know because that is that is me completely. And so I watched that film and realized like there aren't a whole lot of people, at least at that time, four years ago, there weren't a whole lot of people creating things for kids in a way that considered who they were as people developmentally. Like there's a lot of kid entertainment out there, like lots of loud sounds and crazy lights and colors and things. But there, there weren't a lot of people doing things for kids on such a pure basis of, I see you as a person and I see the things that you deal with as a person in the world at your age. And I want to help you with that. I want to help guide you in those big transit, big life transitions, right? For example, like Mr. Rogers talked about like the death of a pet, like that was his first episode. And, and so talking about things that are important to kids, for kids. And so I wanted to sort of like continue that work in a way. And so I created, it used to be Kidco, which I loved. And then there was a trademarking issue. So I had to switch it over. So I rebranded a couple of years ago to Otterly because otters are one of my favorite animals. And so the idea behind Otterly is to sort of create a company under which this sort of umbrella under which there are lots of different projects, some entertainment based, some educational based, some family specific, and then some kids specific, different media and content for kids. And, and the ultimate goal being, I want the world to see kids as full people, like as human beings who deserve access, who deserve care, who deserve respect. And so I've actually got some fun projects coming. I can't talk about yet, but I have some really fun projects to sort of breathe some new life into Otterly because I honestly haven't done a whole, whole lot with it in the last six months or so. But there's a bunch of stuff there existing currently, uh, lots of video content, story times where I'm just reading books to kids. And then some Miss Anna talks about series of videos where I talk about things like grief or boundaries or anger. So there, the, all that stuff is there as well. And you can find Otterly on Instagram at otter.ly. And the website is also www.otter.ly. Love it. Miss Anna Skates, tell us where we can find you in addition to Otterly. Yes. So you can find me on Instagram at Anna underscore skates. My website is annaskates.co and you can reach me via email at hello at annaskates.co. I love it. You are such a wonderful guest. Thank you so much for the mission that you do. I think it is so important as caregivers that we acknowledge children as the independent human beings that they are. They are their own people in and of itself, and we should celebrate them for that. And I love your work and your mission in doing that. So thank you for everything you do. Yeah, of course. Thank you. Happy to do it. I'm honored to do it. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Modern Mom Probs. I hope you enjoyed our deep dive in today's problem with me, your host, Tara Clark. Join me next time when I'll be interviewing another great guest and tackling another modern mom problem. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review and a rating. As always, you could head over to Modern Mom Probs on Instagram and give me a follow or check out my book, Modern Mom Probs, A Survival Guide for 21st Century Mothers, available online wherever books are sold. Well, that's it for today. See you next time, folks.
Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records.